This is Terrio Media. Broadcasting from Terrio Studios in Glendale, California, it's time for Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. Welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing, the place where I show people how to escape the rat race using real estate. Just got to do one thing. Just got to shift your focus. Shift your focus from making piles of money to making streams of money. Do that one thing just one time and you are on your way. It's not the most exciting path. Nope, not. It is the fastest though. So the whole point is let's get there fast so then we can enjoy an exciting life. Because once you get there, life then does become exciting. And speaking of exciting... Uh, the Epic Intensive, September 22nd through the 23rd, half the tickets are sold. So if you planned on going, you might want to go do that. So we've only been open for about a week and a half. The tickets have been sold for a week and a half. Half of them are gone. So epicintensive.com. You know what else I thought was very interesting? Is I think there's only one or two people out of all those people, uh, tickets that are sold are actually from California. It means people are traveling that there is something hot going on here in Los Angeles and they're getting on a plane to come and I'm going to make sure that they are not disappointed and I want you to be there as well. So go to epicintensive.com and the sooner you purchase, the lower the price is going to be. As we approach capacity, the price will be going up. Alrighty, so epicintensive.com, go get your tickets. I would love to meet you. I'd love to have you there. I want to see you. All right, so this, uh, let's see. In our Epic Pro Academy private Facebook group, we had a couple really good questions that I thought were applicable, and the answers would, uh, I'd like to share them here. So one of our members wrote, I have a property under contract that is hard to move. The seller has verbally agreed to extend the closing date. Is that enough to keep marketing, or do I need to open a new contract? Okay, so uh, it depends if how what's your relationship with the seller is. That is enough to keep marketing. However, you probably want some proof just in case. So you don't need to open up a new contract, just an addendum, okay? Just an addendum that would extend the the term. But while you're doing that, I would take that a step further and I'd actually request a price reduction on the basis that the market has spoken. We've been under contract for a certain period of time and we do not have an end buyer. We have not found a solution that is going to validate the price that the seller wants. So it doesn't look like the property is worth what we, you and the seller, thought it was. Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, doesn't look like the property is worth what we thought it was. Would you like to wait for top dollar or would you like to sell fast? That's the big question that I'd ask. Would you like to wait for top dollar or sell fast? And the answer, whether they say yes or no, doesn't matter. You got the same response coming. Uh, They say yes, you're going to say this. If if they say no, you're going to say the same thing. Okay, well, I'm just going to need 14 days to make that happen. No big deal. But let's put it in writing for 30 days in case we receive multiple offers and we need extra time to pick the best one. That's where where I'd go with that. Okay, so uh, as if you have to get an extension, they agree to the extension. It's not irrational, uncommon, or um, what's the word I was looking for? Unreasonable to ask for that extension in writing. So they're expecting that. That's not an unreasonable request. But when you go to request it, request a price reduction at the same time on the basis that, hey, we need an extension. The market has spoken. Then the market is not validating your price, Mr. or Mrs. Seller. Got it? Cool. All right, next question is... uh, 
Uh, hey everyone, need some help? I'm dealing with my first private money lender and she's a banker by trade. She is lending under the same application guidelines as if I were borrowing from her bank. The funds will just come quicker from her IRA. Uh, she's requesting Fannie Mae Form 1003 or a full personal and business financial statement. Both ask for a full uh, account numbers, balances, monthly payments of all accounts. Is this customary and legit in the private lending world? Any experience would help or any any experienced help would be awesome. Kind of stuck here. <laughs> so, wow, this is your first private money lender. Um, unlucky you, but I have good news. It's only going to get easier from here because this is not customary in the private lending world. Um, but it is when you ask me, is it customary? I'd say no. Then you ask me, is it customary and legit? If it, The answer to if being legit? Yeah, absolutely. The person with the money can make the rules. Okay. So it's a little bit odd that you've happened to jump through these types of hoops through your very first deal. Um, but that would also make me, that would raise a new question is what does your deal look like? You know, is, is this just, and I don't have those details, so I can't answer specifically, but the things that I'm thinking about are if the private lender is asking for this much information and it's, it's one of two things. Because she's a banker by trade, she's bringing her professionalism of her job into her personal life, which is perfectly okay. She has every right to do that. But I've noticed that when that happens, they have a tendency to go a little bit overboard. Um, but that's that's one thing that you could be looking at. The second thing is your deal. Is there something up with your deal that she needs to uh, take these extra precautions? And then the third thing I'd be thinking about is if you have got a good deal, if your deal is strong enough, you probably shouldn't be limited to just this one lender. Does that make sense? If you've got a good deal, then money is going to fight for you. Money, people are going to be asking you to please use my money if you've got a good deal. Now, if you've got only one person in town that that's or one person in the game that's considering lending you money, though, you gotta you gotta play by by, the, by their rules. As you know, is, you know, is overboard as they may appear to you. Okay. So those, those are my thoughts. I wish I had a little bit more detail, but, but again, the bottom line is it's her money. She can do whatever she wants before she gives it to you. Got it. Cool. Great questions. And, um, yeah, keep them coming. I will, uh, you know what I was thinking while, while driving into the office today, I was listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast. And this is the episode with, uh, the episode I was listening to was the one with Jamie Foxx. Really great episode. Um, I'm a fan of Tim Ferriss. Uh, it, gets, it gets a little highfalutin, highbrow for me sometimes. Um, and not every guest he has is, you know, of uh, my interest. But a friend said, uh, you got to listen to Jamie Foxx interview. You got to listen to the Jamie Foxx interview. And I was like, okay, cool. So I listened to it and it was really fantastic. And I don't want to spoil it if you want to go listen to it, but it's de definitely worth your time. So go go check that out. But one of the last questions that Tim had asked Jamie was, and I thought it was a great question, um, and it was, uh, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self, your 30-year-old self, and your 40-year-old self? Tim asked that of Jamie. And I started thinking about what would I tell my 20-year-old self? See, I've got a birthday coming up. I'm going to be 47 years old next month. 
and I'm just right around the corner from 50. And that just freaks me out because I feel like my brain, I'm, I feel I still feel like I'm a teenager. I feel like I'm 18, 19 years old. And, uh, you know, my body's going to be 50 years old here. 47. Let's not rush it. I'm going to be 47 next month. I've got a few more years before 50. But I started thinking about what I would tell my 20-year-old self or my 30-year-old self or my 40-year-old self. I can actually say, what would you tell your 40-year-old self? That's where I am in life. And and I would certainly have words for the younger versions of myself. And I, and I think those answers are applicable to what we discuss here each week. I mean, the, the answers are applicable to all elements of life and all aspects of life, but certainly when it comes down to business and, and narrow it down any further down to real estate, I think it's applicable here. You know, as an investor, but even more as an educator of, of investing, I've always thought that if I could solve this little riddle here, I, I could make a billion bucks. And that riddle being is how can a group of say 300 people sit in a room 300 people have the same desires and similar goals of being, you know, a success or successful real estate investors. How can that large group listen to the same instruction from the same instructor, have access to all of the same resources, and six months later, all end up with wildly different results with only a handful actually getting what they came for in the results department? You know, I remember when I was part of the Nouveau Riche education. That's where I got started back in, I don't know, was that 2005, 2004, 5, somewhere in there? There were up to 30,000 students enrolled. And uh, we met once per quarter in Arizona, Glendale, Arizona. Giant groups of us would meet and we'd all learn real estate for a week together. We'd listen to the same instruction from the same instructor, have access to the same resources, have access to the same communities and network. Now, I didn't know all 30,000 people. That's a lot of people. But I did know, I had a pretty good grasp on who the movers and shakers were, who were the people in Nouveau Riche that were really doing real estate and doing it well. And I got to tell you, there weren't many, but there were some. So is that a testament to... The education, or is that a testament to the people that were listening to the education? You know, because we're here, I guess, approaching a, a decade since it's Nouveau Riche's implosion. And I can count on one hand the people that are full-time real estate investors um, that I know of from that community. And two of them work right here in my office. My, my point being is, it's pretty simple to teach real estate investing. It's not difficult to learn about real estate investing. You know, for example, I can teach anyone how to fill out a purchase agreement. I can teach you how to do that in probably 10 minutes or less. But why that person won't fill out that purchase agreement and present it to sellers each and every day, that's something I don't, I haven't figured out how to teach how to get that person up every single day and create a discipline out of that, create a habit out of that, and submit offers every single day. I can teach you how to do it, but why you don't get up and do it every single day, that's that's the riddle that I was like, gosh, if I could solve that, I, everyone within hearing distance of my voice would be a successful real estate investor. So. That part, though, that just, I guess it comes from within. 
And I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm coming back around again to, to who I was when I was 20. Who was I inside when I was 20 years old? Because I was in the music business and, you know, I didn't get up with goals. I didn't get up with um, forced and, and conscious habits and disciplines. I mean, we all have disciplines and habits. Some of them are forced and some of them are just natural. And when I was in the music business, it just kind of got up and did my root thing every day. And 10 years later, I was pretty successful in, in the music. But what would I tell my my 20-year-old self now? I, I'd, it'd probably be something along the lines of, listen to your elders. That's what I think I would tell my, my 20-year-old self. Listen to your, il- your elders. Because uh, you don't know shit when you're 20. You just don't. And if you're 20 years old listening to me right now and you're like, yeah, but I do. No, you don't. You don't. Just listen to your elders. Even if you don't understand what your elders are telling you, even if it makes zero sense to you at the moment, don't dismiss them as crazy. Don't dismiss them as they just don't get me or they don't understand. And then just kind of go on about your business and do it your way anyway. That's what I would tell my 20-year-old self. You don't know shit. Listen to me. Don't ask for advice if you're not going to follow it. And here's what I mean. Your parents were 20 years old once. They know what it's like to be 20 years old. I I look at my son. He's five years old. And I can just watch him now as he mills around the house. I can see the wheels turning in his head. I can see when he's about to do something that he probably knows he shouldn't do. Like, I know what he's thinking before he's thinking it. And the reason I know that is because I was five years old once. And you can apply that same logic to, you know, to the people that have been there before you. Your parents, they were 20 years old once. They understand a whole lot more than you think. In fact, they understand just about everything a 20-year-old typically goes through because they were 20 years old. So that's what I tell my 20-year-old self. You don't know nothing. So just listen to what people tell you. All right? Listen to what people tell you. Uh, My 30-year-old self. I'd probably say something along the lines... um, Now it's time to get serious. You know, develop the daily disciplines that are aligned with your goals. Make those disciplines habits. And then I think this is the biggie right here. Accept responsibility for every result you get. Accept responsibility. You know, whether your results are good or whether your results are bad, whether your results are your fault or not, accept responsibility. You see, when you start blaming somebody for your situation, um, you know, that could be a bad situation. You can, hey, that, that person cheated me and that's why I'm in this situation I'm in right now. Or it could be something good like, well, gosh, I would have never gotten it if they didn't help me. No, you got to take responsibility for both of those. When you, see, when you blame somebody or something for your situation, you give up control of your life. You have to stay in control. And the only way to do that is to internalize your experiences and take responsibility for your results. You know, in real estate, if a deal goes bad for you, here's the example I could give you for real estate. If a deal goes bad for you, immediately look at how you could have caused a different, more favorable outcome. Backtrack. Where could you have bobbed left instead of weaved right? Where could you have you know, gone north instead of south, or maybe you could have just kind of turned the steering wheel a little bit this way, or you shouldn't have said this, or shouldn't have said that. You know, look back to where you could have caused a a different outcome and learn from that, and then just move on. 
okay? Don't hold a grudge over, say, the wholesaler that swooped in and stole your deal. You're giving up control if you do that. Think more about what you could have said to the seller up front so that didn't happen, or how you could have moved faster to get it under contract, or how you could have moved faster to, excuse me, how you could have moved faster to find a buyer. What could you have done differently to have stopped that wholesaler from stealing that deal from you? And then take that information and learn from it and apply it next time. Look back at where you are to blame. Even if you're not, that's key. Even if you're not, that's key. Got it? So that's what I tell my 30-year-old self. Um, It's time to get serious. And the only way you're really going to move forward and succeed is by taking responsibility for yourself. Stay in control of your life. That's what I would say. Don't give up control. Don't blame others. Don't blame your situation. Just stay in control and do for you. Got it? And then uh, those that want to come along, you can bring them with you. But do for you and take responsibility for your results. Let's see. Uh, My 40-year-old self. Can't believe I can actually tell my 40-year-old self something because it was almost seven years ago when I turned 40. You know what I'd tell my 40-year-old self? Um, You know, I look back at 20 years old, as I was just saying, you don't know anything at 20. And then when you hit 30, you realize you don't know anything. But then when you hit 40, you kind of like, okay, I I got this. I I think I know a little something now. And so I tell my 40-year-old self to trust your gut, trust your instincts. You're so much smarter and better than you think you are. You're all grown up now. You've got enough life experience under your belt that you can instinctively steer your own ship. Trust yourself. At this age, don't listen to the advice of people that aren't who you want to be, that aren't doing what you want to do, that don't have what you want to have. You know enough. Now all there is just focusing on doing what you know. Right? You all know what to do at 40 years old. Now you just got to do more of what you know. A lot of doing. And perhaps now it's time to really start doing, say, to make up for some lost time, make up some for, for some past mistakes. Or maybe it's, start, it's time to start doing a lot more to step on the accelerator and just compound on what's on the greatness that you've already built. But it's, it's trust yourself. And don't think so much. Just go forward with what you got and do what you know. So that's what I'd tell my 20, 30, 40-year-old self. And then as I, you know, I, I kind of came to that realization and as I, I don't know, maybe I should just share this on the podcast because I think there is something to learn here. At least it it really, just by hearing someone else have that conversation, it caused me to think about so many different things in my life. So I want to give that to you. Um, And something else really magical happened, which really was kind of the nail in the coffin that made me decide to record this and talk about this with you today is, you know, as I was sitting down at my desk this morning on my Facebook feed, I saw a video. And, you know, you, you see a thousand videos a day on Facebook and, and I've been trying to wean myself off of Facebook more and more and more. And I'm getting pretty good at it. So I'm checking in maybe once a day instead of like 10 times a day like I used to. But uh, uh, there was a video there of Steve Harvey talking about something very, very similar. And I think it's, I think it's probably gone what they call viral. So you might even know what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I don't know if I saw that picture or that video. I don't know if it was divine intervention for me, if it was divine intervention for you, or maybe divine intervention for someone that you know that you're going to be able to pass this on to. I don't know. But some really good stuff to think about, some good stuff to internalize and take responsibility for. 
So like I said, maybe it's for you, maybe it's for your loved ones. Anyway, what I did is I stripped the audio from that video and I'm gonna play it for you. And the content, it, it applies to every aspect of life. But this is a real estate show. It's a real estate investing show. So I'm gonna request that you listen to this through your real estate ears. And I wanted you to process this through your real estate mind and just kind of check out what opens up for you. Maybe something in there, it's gonna pull something out of you from within that empowers you to start doing more of what you know. Presenting more purchase agreements to sellers, for example. Alrighty, enjoy. Here's a mistake that the majority of people that I know make, including myself, I made this mistake. That's why if I could help somebody understand it better, most people I know mess off all of their 20s. From 20 to 29, they just jack it off. They just jack off their 20s. They mess them up, man. Because 20 is that age, man, where you just really just trying to have too much fun. You're free, you're out of college, you don't live at your mama's house no more, you're out on your own. So what do we do? Mostly all of us, 98% of the people I know, we spend our 20s trying to exert ourselves in the fun category. We so big, we gotta get off work so we can go to happy hour. We gotta get off work so we can go get high. We gotta get off work so we can go drink a cold one. We gotta get off work, go smoke one. We gotta go hang out with the fella. We gotta play video games. The average person blows all of their 20s. Then when you find out that life ain't waiting on you, now you're 30. Now guess what happens to mostly all of us, including myself. I spent all of my 30s trying to do the things that I should have been doing in my 20s. So now my life is behind. Now you look up and you're 40s. You're in your 40s. And now you're trying to do the things and have the things that you could have had in your 30s, man, had you just done what you should have did in your 20s. And then the tragedy starts to occur. You look up and you're 50. Now, that don't mean it's too late for you because it wasn't too late for me. But you look up and you're 50. And now all of a sudden, all through your 50s, you're trying to create and have a life that you could have created and had in your 30s. You trying to have it in the 50s. My suggestion to all young people, if you could just hear me clearly, don't do what I did, man. So you look at my life now and you think, oh, Steve, you, you got it going on. Man, you don't know how hard I made it on myself taking the route that I took. If I could start over again and do and change one thing, I would buckle down in my 20s. While you young and energetic, alleviate some of that BS that you so dedicated to. The 20s, man, you dedicated to them girls, them dudes, them video games, them clubs, them happy hours, that smoke, that drink, that freedom. You so, but in dedicating yourself to that freedom and that fun, man, you lock yourself out of the American dream. And it happens to 98% of the people. And the reason I know it is because it happened to me. And if I could tell anybody, man, man, if I could do it again, I would have changed the way I live my 20s. And if I was in my 30s, 
you really in your 30s, it's time out for clubs and drinking and happy hours and parties. In your 30s, you should just be about the business of your life. Because say what you want to say about me. Uh, every time I hear Steve, man, he's trying to preach to somebody. I'm really just trying to share some valuable information because I live the, all the messed up sides of it, man. Flunking out of school, man. Losing everything I ever had. Divorces. I'm telling you, man, I did so many things wrong. I made so many mistakes. Homeless, living in a car. I made incredible mistakes. I could have avoided a lot of those. Now, it created who I am. Now, once you've made the mistakes, just get up, man. Quit, don't wallow in them because you can recover from all mistakes, but you gotta wanna recover. You gotta ask for forgiveness. You gotta go to all the people that you crossed and you wrong and you let down. You gotta say, look, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Forgive me and move on. Now, everybody ain't gonna forgive, that's life. God is in the forgiving business. And see, people trip out when I, when I throw God at them. I'm just telling you, man, the reason I throw God out there is because God is available for everything I got there. I always wanted to be rich. But if you want to be the downright hardcore successful, have a little extra money, you got to get busy. Whatever you're doing right now, as hard as you think you're working, you got to quadruple that. And then when you look up and that ain't working, like here's my father always told me this, and I'm going to let y'all go. He says, son, when you think you've done all you can do and you can't do no more, do some more. You've been listening to Epic Real Estate Investing, the world's foremost authority on separating the facts from the BS in real estate investing education. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to visit iTunes and share your thoughts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here at Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.